inspiring testimonies of Jesus' divinity. So 1 John, that's the letter of John, chapter 4 and verse 14, locate our reading this morning, at least part of it, if you will, will stand with me for the reading of the word. And this is John the Beloved, now an old man, and he says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The point I made last week, among others, on that text is that though John was now the last remaining of the apostles that the Lord had selected, that had walked with Jesus and seen the things that Jesus did, that he is still testifying. He is still telling about the things that he saw and that he is verifying that Jesus is the Savior of the world. And so I reiterate this morning that we need to keep on testifying that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he is our Savior, and we need to own him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, this is your time. This is your word. I realize, dear Lord, that I have so so many limitations to be able to adequately share the word, explain the word, but I thank you that he who called me to do this has assured me that he would be with me. And Lord, that when I falter and fail that the Holy Spirit can communicate the word even even inwardly, even in such a way that the message cannot be missed. So I pray you'll help us this morning. I pray that you'll speak to us and help us to hear what you would have us to say. And we thank you, dear Lord, for this precious word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. And so what's the big deal about Jesus' divinity? Why why would that be such a big deal? Uh, There are many that would not believe that Jesus is divine that uh, would argue with that. Uh, But I submit to you this morning that uh, it is a very big deal because we're talking about somebody that has told us about eternal things. If he is just a mere man, if he was just a mere man as others, then he passed out of this life and those words that he said are like the words of other people. He had no ability to 
see that any of those things were actually fulfilled, that they can't, would come to pass, that he died and was buried and he's gone and the world goes on and certainly there are people that feel that way today, that there is no divine influence, that there is no divine power that is in control. And as we live in secular America, folks, uh, while I agree with others that I'm not willing to say that uh, we are in a post-Christian era, and by post-Christian, we are, I am saying that Christianity no longer has influence or impact on our society, yet we can say that it's greatly diminished and the sinfulness of man is flaunted in the face of God to say we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, and uh, as long as uh, we have uh, strength and ability to do, we'll do just exactly what we want, how we want. Uh, it is, it is uh, certainly uh, evident today that uh, whatever people want to fulfill the pleasures of this life, what they would consider to be the good life, quote, unquote, which would be to live with sensuousness, uh, with uh, sex, and, and all kinds of immorality, whatever, whatever feels good. Remember the song that uh, was penned years ago, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> if it feels good, do it. If it hurts, just let it lie. Uh, and there are people that are living that way today, and they live for the, they live for, many of them live for the end of the work week uh, so that uh, they can, they can get a package of, of uh, spirits, booze of some kind, and uh, just set and guzzle away. I, I see them carrying it out of Mosier's, uh, the big 24 packs that they're carrying out. Uh, and it's, it's not uh, old people that can hardly go, but it's old people too, and it's young people that uh, they think that's where it is. They think that's how they're going to get along. And they don't think there's ever coming a day when uh, they're going to have to answer for that. But uh, that day does come in many of their lives sooner than what they think. And uh, when it comes, uh, then uh, they're thinking about they've sowed the seeds of sin and they pray for a crop failure, don't they? Uh, Lord, don't, don't let it happen. Don't let this happen to me. Uh, this, this cancer, this disease that's brought on from alcoholism, don't let it happen to me. Uh, but uh, sad to say, a lot of times 
even though they pray for the seeds of sin not to bring forth a harvest, uh, the Bible says that the harvest does come and uh, that God is not mocked, that whatever a man soweth or whatever a person sows, uh, that they will also reap. And so uh, we who are here this morning know the, the Bible to be God's word to us, and we're looked at as being narrow and ignorant and uh, killjoys uh, because uh, we, look at, we look at things that may be a little too seriously, according to some. So we're talking about Jesus' divinity, his divinity. Uh, he came... Uh, to bring to us the way of salvation. And there were those who saw in Jesus that he was divine. And not only when we say was divine, but if, if he was divine, he still is divine because divinity does not die. And so he is still alive today. And his divinity was such that he gave forth the word of truth and then when he gave forth the word of truth and when he was finally arrested and, and it was seen too that he was put to death by those who hated him, death could not hold him. And so we believe that he conquered the grave, that he came forth out of that tomb on the third day, and that he was seen by those who had walked with him, those who had believed on him, that they saw this risen Christ, and they gave us assurances in the written word that he is alive, that beyond all doubt, even though they too doubted at first, that he dispelled their doubts and he showed that he was alive, as the book of Acts says, with many infallible proofs, proofs that cannot be denied, proofs that were such that it caused the disciples to stand up on the day of Pentecost and proclaim even to those whom, who had crucified Jesus that he is alive and that death could not hold him. We know that all they had to do was say, that is not true, those who were the enemies of Christ that had him crucified. They could have said, that is not true, we know where his body is, we'll bring forth his body and we'll show that these disciples are bearing false witness, that they are liars, but there never was anything like that that was ever done, and we know that after decades have passed and centuries have passed, there are still those today that would like to figure out what happened 
to the body of Jesus. They can't believe that he actually rose from the dead. But those who verified that they had seen him gave their lives, didn't they? They sealed their testimonies with the blood that they shed. And they did not recant. They did not say we were just making this story up. They, they said it is true. And they left us that testimony. So we praise God for that this morning. That he is divine. He was divine. He is divine. He did not come out of history. He came into history, didn't he? And as it has been said, history is his story. It is his story to us. And so, though there may be only a remnant of true believers that are following Jesus Christ, we know that what the scripture says is the truth, that that Jesus is indeed alive, that when he gathered them together there on the Mount of Olives as they stood and watched him, gravity lost its hold on him. When he was ready to go back to the Father, he didn't need uh, Musk or any of those that have the rocket ships that uh, will maybe take you up in space for 11 minutes or whatever time it is. Uh, uh, that was old Captain Kirk, wasn't it, that went up for 11 minutes at 90 years of age, the oldest man to go up into, into outer space. It's a wonder he hadn't had a heart attack. Uh, but uh, he went and he made it and came back but Jesus did not need a rocket ship. He has all power, and when it was time for him to leave, he ascended, and the scripture says the cloud received him out of their sight. And of course, that was, that was a glory cloud. That was not a rain cloud. And whatever was going on beyond that cloud, we know that only... only, only uh, a mind can imagine what transpired after Jesus went out of their sight because it would not be a matter of minutes, but instantaneously he could traverse space and be back home with the Father. And mission completed to that point. Of course, He's still going to do the gathering, but to that point, mission was accomplished. So, he is, he is the divine son of God, and God attested to that, didn't he? At, at the birth of Christ, at the birth of Christ, when Jesus was worshipped, which would be blasphemy, wouldn't it? If he were not divine, because God only can be worshipped, but he was worshipped 
the, those that came and brought gifts to him, the angels that rejoiced at his birth. He is who he said he is, and he still is, because he is still in charge and he's still in control. So, walking the paths of this life then, the lives that he touched. And last week, I spoke on the encounter he had when he saw under the fig tree, he saw, as the scripture tells us, he, had, he saw Nathaniel. And once again, I'm not going to repeat that sermon. But I did have a good time preaching that sermon, I'll tell you. There weren't very many of us here, but Jesus was here. And those that were here, uh, it, was, it was something that uh, fed my soul. You know, the preacher's got to eat too, folks. Preacher's got to eat too. Sometimes I eat at home on spiritual things, but sometimes God lets me have a little snack too when I come to church and I'm feeding other people. You know, I try to take care of you women when you're feeding the group. I tell you to get into it and feed yourselves, don't I? So it's good when God lets me have a little bit when I'm preaching and I feel refreshed and renewed and inspired with what the Word says. So, yeah, I had a good time preaching that. I can't say that all the time. Sometimes preaching is a whole lot of work and don't feel a whole lot of, of uh, refreshment when you're preaching. But uh, I thank God that there are those times that come. So, yes, Jesus, Jesus had an encounter with Nathaniel, And Nathaniel had said to him in verse 49 of John, the Gospel of John now, not the Epistle of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and verse 49, Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God. Thou art the King of Israel. So there's other Examples that could be given. I'm just kind of highlighting some of them here and there of those that were giving testimony. And we want to look now in in the Gospel of John still. And we're going to read here in chapter 4 of St. John. And it tells us the story of when Jesus decided that he was going to go back to Galilee. Uh, He was going to depart into Galilee, and so he must needs go through through Samaria. Chapter 4 and verse 4 says, uh, he could have gone around Samaria. It It would have been quite a trip to go around Samaria, because Samaria was just to the north of Jerusalem and he could have gone clear across the Jordan River way out around. If you look at a Bible map, he could have gone across the Jordan River and clear back up and 
some, some Jews would do that because uh, they hated the Samaritans so much, didn't want anything to do with the Samaritans. And so they would go far out of their way to go around the Samaritans. Uh, why, why were the Samaritans such a, a, a despised group of people? Well, when you read this story here in John chapter 4, uh, it appears that this woman is, that is talking, uh, that, that she was a part of Israel's race. Uh, but uh, we know that there was something that took place when God caused the northern tribe of Israel to be carried away into captivity. And that there was there was a replacement of people that were put there under a, an Assyrian king called Salmaneser. And you find that story in the book of 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17 tells us that God allowed his people to be carried out of that northern kingdom and that when they were taken away, and I'll read it for you here, 2 Kings chapter 17, and uh, we are told that as they, were, as they were carried away, that there were those who came and were replaced uh, in that land. And they took the place of the Israelites. And when, when they took the place of the Israelites, uh, they, were not, they were not those uh, of, the, of the nation of Israel. Uh, and so the scripture says, uh, looking in chapter 17, and uh, we'll read at uh, verse 24. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon and Kutha and from Ava and from Hamath and from Sepharvaim and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. <clears throat> so the Israelites were carried away, and here in verse 24 of chapter 17 of 2 Kings, it says that others were brought in. And I'm not going to read all this to you in the interest of time, but if you want to read on, you'll see some of the strange things that happened uh, that these people that came in uh, were people who were not acquainted with the land. Uh, Israelites were taken elsewhere, these of the northern kingdom. The southern kingdom was still in place, which was Judah and Benjamin. Uh, but uh, the scripture tells us 
that these people then were not actually Jews. There no doubt were a few Jews that were left, but then there was intermarriage and there was, there was a mixture and there was a lot of, of paganism that was brought in. Eventually, uh, they had built a temple and uh, this, this place that we're going to read about, Sychar, was at the mount of Mount Gerizim. And I'm probably giving you too much information, too much detail. But there was a temple at one time on Mount Gerizim, uh, just as there was a temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans had their temple in Mount Gerizim. Uh, I read that it was destroyed, whether partially or completely, I don't know, about 130 130 years B.C. So there must have still been some remains of it, the best I can understand. So this woman that Jesus talks to talks about uh, the temple that they have. And the scripture tells us this, that Jesus came to this city of Samaria, Samaria which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And verse 6 says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We, we believe it was around 12 o'clock. Jesus had been traveling for a few hours uh, with his disciples, and uh, he, was, he was wearied, and he sat down. If you read on down, you'll find that Jesus had sent the disciples into the nearby town to get some food and to bring it back to him. He stayed there. Now, folks, you know that Jesus knows all about us. And do you remember the time when you met Jesus? God has a time when he comes to us and speaks to our hearts. Jesus stayed behind not because he was too good to go into town, not because he couldn't move another muscle, but he stayed behind at this well because he knew that this woman was going to be coming to this well to draw water. And Jesus wanted to have time with her to talk to her about spiritual things and to reveal himself to her. And so sometimes we think, oh, this just happened. Uh, you know, that was just an accident. It has been said that the word accident should not be used by Christians, that everything that happens in our lives, God is in control of, God knows about. Does not mean we should not exercise care that we should not use common sense, that when we do the best we can, <clears throat> we don't have to think that it just all happenstance, that we're just in the hands of fate. <laughs> because we believe as God's people that God is in charge of us. <clears throat> and that is, <clears throat> I want to encourage you this morning 
that when there, there's a lot of fear about the, the virus that we're seeing about us, remember we're still in God's hands, folks. And, and Christians have been strengthened and fortified with that faith throughout the centuries to say God's in charge. I'm not going to leave this world till God's ready for me to leave this world. Now, that doesn't mean that you're supposed to walk out in front of a truck and say, it's not my time, because uh, the Bible also says that we're not supposed to tempt God, that we're not supposed to presume on his mercy. But when we do the best we can, and as a minister of the gospel, sometimes I go around situations that, that are not, not considered without risk. There is some risk. But I have to trust the Lord with that. That I'm in God's hand. That God's going to take care of things. And I'll do the best I can and, and I'll trust him for his strength and help. And so it wasn't just an accident that Jesus was there when the disciples had gone away. And this woman from Samaria came to draw water. And there has been a lot of things said about this woman. Uh, I, I just want to say what Jesus said. And that was uh, that he began, first of all, to interact with her in conversation. Uh, she was amazed that a Jew would even talk to her, let alone ask her for a drink of water. Uh, the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. And yet, Jesus said, will you give me a drink? And, and she said, how, how is it you, a Jew, are asking a drink of me, a Samaritan? Now you say, well, Jesus was really desperate. I read it in a commentary, Jesus... Jesus was really thirsty, and so uh, this forced him to ask for a drink. Uh, this woman ha had come to the well. She had a bucket to let down into this well. This well was very interesting. Uh, those guys that dug that well really had a job on their hands because water in the Middle East, in this area was very valuable, very valuable. And so when, when this well was dug, the servants dug down. I read that the well goes down 105 feet. Pretty deep well to be hand dug. And it, and it goes through, they dug through a rock. I don't know how they did that. They dug through a rock and when they did, they got down to where there was a spring down under that rock. And that's where this water was. It, was. it was spring water. Jesus calls it living water. It was spring water. And so Jesus, Jews did carry a bucket with them. 
Now, this woman came from town. She had a bucket. Uh, that wasn't a big deal coming a short distance, but if you traveled a long way, you wouldn't carry a bucket, you wouldn't think. But they, had, they carried leather buckets, I read, and rope so that when they came somewhere, they could lower the leather bucket down and bring them up some water. Jesus didn't have any of that with him. So was Jesus so thirsty he had to ask this woman for a drink? No, I don't think so, because he talked to her all this time. Nothing said about her giving him a drink. And he told her about living water, and she's, she's got curious about it. Uh, when the disciples came back, they wanted him to eat and drink. He said, I have meat to eat you don't know anything about. Uh, I'm satisfied with what God has done for me. So he wasn't so desperate that he had to talk to this woman, but he, he was engaging so that he could, he could talk to her about spiritual things. Folks, I'll, I will say once again, we need to engage people in some kind of conversation about Jesus. We just need to do it because he is the only hope. He is the only way of life. And uh, so we need to use the name of Jesus and ask people, you know, do you believe in Jesus? Are you a Christian? Do you know the Lord? No, I don't say that to every person. But I do say it oftentimes that I, I want to be audible about my allegiance to Jesus, that I'm a Christian. Doesn't make me perfect. Doesn't mean that I'm other than human. But that's where my faith is, folks. My faith is in Christ. Weren't those songs wonderful that, that Reverend Young shared this morning and that we, we sang as congregation? Uh, in Christ alone. He is, he is our rock. Folks, if we will speak a word, it will help us not only to get stronger, it will help people that are around us to think about spiritual things about what really matters and so uh, Jesus Jesus had asked her for a drink and she marveled at that um, and he said to her in verse 10 now here's the key this is this is a great key to this this conversation Jesus had verse 10 Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. We know who the gift of God is, don't we? It's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus given for our salvation. He is the gift of God. She did not know salvation she did not know the forgiving grace of Jesus Christ but he said if you did know that then you would have asked and he would have he would have given you living water 
when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we begin to experience a desire for more of God. We come to experience a thirst for the things of God. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, the Beatitudes say, for they shall be filled. Jesus, Jesus talked about this water over in the seventh chapter of John, where Jesus stood on the last day of the feast. <clears throat> he said, if, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly or out of his inmost being shall flow rivers of living water. So when we come to know Christ and when we reach out for more of him, receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then we have an inner, an inner bubbling, uh, we have an inner force. In verse 39 of this same chapter, it says, But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. When we know Christ as our Savior, and we glorify him in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us and we have, we have an inner source that is the Holy Spirit in our lives that, that is working on our behalf. Uh, so we have, we have this, this great resource of living water that is the Holy Spirit and we know on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came upon those who were obedient to what Jesus had said. And we today can still experience that after we come to salvation. We can come and yield ourselves and we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. And we can have that, that refreshing we can have that reinforcing in our lives that God can help us to be the people he wants us to be. We can't do it on ourselves, friends. We can't do it by ourselves. But we can do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank God for that. So he said, if you knew, but she didn't know. But once we know, then we can ask. We can ask. For that power of the Holy Spirit on our lives. The woman began to question him. The well's deep. I already told you about that. How are you going to get the water? I'm, I'm the one with the bucket. <laughs> hey guy, I got the bucket. You don't have any bucket. How are you going to get any water? I got the bucket. <laughs> well, a good question. Jesus, Jesus realized that she was struggling with what he was saying. Uh, she began to talk about religion. Uh, are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us of this well? 
drank there of himself and his children, his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever shall drink the water that I shall give shall never thirst. And we go on to talk about this well of water springing up into everlasting life. Sir, give me this water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman said, I have no husband. Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. Been a lot of things built on that. Uh, for you have had five husbands, Jesus said, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidest very truly. Uh, so you, you look at that and you say, well, she walked away from five men. Well, you know, uh, in that day you could, you could be divorced for burning the biscuits. You realize that. You burn the biscuits, you're out of here, girl. Uh, it, that you didn't have to have, you didn't have to really have any, any kind of grounds like, you know, to go to court and be granted. You just say, um, there's, there's the door. <laughs> you're out. And so we don't know what went on in these five relationships. She said, well, she was in moral woman. She wasn't happy with none of these men. And some women are not happy with any man. That is true. Uh, but we, we cannot draw that conclusion from this. We just know she had a broken life, didn't she? She had a broken life. And I read different commentaries, some that said, well, uh, you know, uh, she, was, she was living in fornication. She was just living with somebody. Somebody else said, well, she hadn't contracted a marriage yet. Uh, so that wasn't her husband yet, but it was in the works. <coughs> I don't know the answer to all that. I just know Jesus looked into her life and saw she had a turbulent life. She had a troubled life. There have been those that said, well, she was there by herself because the other woman of the town wouldn't have anything to do with her. But then you read the story, when she went back and told the story, a lot of people listened to her. It wasn't like she didn't have some credibility. So, you know, we can say she had a rough life. And just like people want to say Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, the Bible doesn't say that about Mary Magdalene. The Bible says that she was full of the devil, that Jesus cast seven devils out of her. We can say that she was full of the devil, but, you know, some people are too mean for anybody to be around, let alone a husband or a spouse or any, anyone else. They can't stand to be around themselves, let alone for anybody else to be around them. So, we don't know what went on with this woman. We just know she had a troubled life. She had a troubled life. And if indeed she was living in fornication, uh, Jesus put his finger on her need. And Jesus knows all about us. You know, he knows what you're doing. He knows what you're doing when, when you're sneaking around. Uh, Reverend Young told us that when the foster kids lived at, at the parsonage, the old parsonage, he told us that 
when we were renovating that and we took up the commode that, uh, that he found where the foster kids, they were only allowed like one, one can of pop because it was, wasn't the financial thing, it was just don't drink too much pop, rot the teeth out of your mouth and, and, uh, and become terribly obese. So, you know, it was controlled. So they would, they would I suppose, they got, if they had a can, uh, it was, that was their can. Well, they'd go in there and, and the old floor was rotten. They'd get it, shove it down underneath the parsonage floor in the restroom. So, no, they didn't have any pop. <laughs> the can was gone. The evidence was gone. The body of evidence was missing. So you'd go get another can of pop. Of course, the can they stuck down under the floor was empty. They drank it all. So they'd get another can. Well, you know, God knows what's going on in our lives. We're not fooling him at all. Jesus knew what was going on in this woman's life. He knew all about her. And he didn't have to call out, well, you know, you're going to hell because of this or that. She knew. And then the scripture says that at that time... Uh, the woman had gone from different levels. First of all, he was a Jewish man. She didn't think that he would even talk to her. And then, and then she gave him some uh, level of acceptance because in verse 19, the woman said unto him, Sir, so uh, she elevated him. She elevated him to a person of some honor, Sir. Uh, and then, and then she saw him as uh, a prophet. I perceive you are a prophet. Uh, but she couldn't think that he was any greater than, than, than Jacob. And so uh, that was in the Old Testament, Jacob. And the scripture says then that she got on the, on the idea of worship. <clears throat> Jesus knew that if there was a temple there on Mount Gerizim, the same as there was a temple in Jerusalem, there wasn't going to be a temple anywhere because armies were going to destroy all that. And Jesus said the hour is coming when you're not going to worship here or in Jerusalem. But bear in mind that salvation is of the Jews. It does come through the Old Testament patriarchs, the promises that God gave. So, so yes... Salvation is of the Jews. And he said, but God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. Messiah and Christ, the same thing, the same meaning. When he has come, he will tell us all things. Now Jesus says, I that speak unto thee am he. So there is a revelation. Now when she goes away, folks, she goes, the disciples come back. They were amazed that Jesus was talking to this Jewish woman. And <clears throat> she leaves and goes back to town. You know what she did when she went back to town? <laughs> she didn't say, hey, there's a guy out there that's uh, saying he can give us water. We don't have to go to the well all the time. She didn't say that. She said, 
She said, there's somebody out there that knows all about me. He knows all about my life. Could this be the Christ? Could this be the Christ? And when she went, the townspeople listened to her. And they wanted to go see this. Now, she was a person that was so terrible, so down in the gutter. I can't believe that all these people would go running out there, but they did. A lot of people went out there to the well to see Jesus. She did a good job, didn't she? She did a good job telling about Jesus. They all came, and they listened to him. And the scripture says that when they listened to him, you know, they heard what the woman said. He knows all about me. He told me all about my life. We don't know what else Jesus said to them, but after he had been there with them, they said, well, this Jesus is truly the Christ because now we believe on him not just for the sayings of the woman that he told me all things that ever I did in verse 39, but now as he stayed with them and abode with them, many more believed because of his own word in verse 41. In verse 42, they said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this indeed that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So here's another testimonial that he is divine. He's the Savior. He came into the world with the message of salvation. They didn't know what was going to go into fulfilling that, that he was going to die on the cross. But they did know we believe. We believe this is who this is. And so, another testimonial to the divinity of Jesus, that he is indeed the Son of God and God the Son. And folks, that's where I want my faith. That's where I want my trust, not in some person who says things and then dies like every other person but somebody who transcends this life and goes into glory and then promises to come again and that's where I want my faith and my trust and I want you to have solid foundational trust in this Jesus and if it comes to the point where this life comes to a close and we never know when that's going to happen, I want to go out in victory to say I'm trusting Jesus Christ. He is who he said he was and he can keep his word to me. Praise the Lord. Will you stand with me? ask you to bow your heads.
Are you trusting Jesus for your salvation this morning? Is your faith rooted solidly in him? It, you know, it does matter what others of our families are doing. It does matter what people in the world are doing. We can't say it doesn't matter. It does matter. A lot of things that they're doing can break our hearts. But folks, we need to know that we have trusted Christ, that he's forgiven our sins, that he is God's gift to us, that we have received this gift. We haven't worked, we haven't earned it, but this is a gift that God has given to us. And it doesn't matter. I mean, however bad this woman was, however, however convoluted her life was, however many things were not her fault, however many things were her fault, Jesus knew all about it. And he knows all about us, doesn't he? He knows our failures, our faults, our disappointments. He knows, he knows our heartaches. And he knows if we have spiritual need this morning. Are you trusting Jesus as your Savior? Has Jesus forgiven your sins? Are you walking in faith to him? Are you trusting in him? We'll give you a moment this morning if you want to come and pray. We'd be glad to have you come and pray. And if you don't know that everything's okay, that's what you ought to do. You ought to ask to know this morning because it's a no-so salvation. We can know that we're a child of God this morning. We can know that we've been born from above. Dear Lord, as we wait for a moment, we pray that you would speak to people. Dear Lord, if there's unfinished business, we pray that you will help them to determine this morning that they want to have assurance that everything's okay between their soul and the Savior. And Lord, if they haven't gone on after knowing the gift of God, if they haven't hungered and thirst for all of God in their life and the Holy Spirit's fullness, I pray you'd help them this morning to come and give themselves wholly, fully to Christ. And Lord, for the Holy Spirit to come in and fill their lives and help them to be victorious.